Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. That there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Matrix. Do you want to know what it is? So if you have ever listened to this podcast, you should already know. Who the fuck is you? Yeah, first of all, who the fuck is you? Who the fuck is you? It ain't you because you're listening. But if you have literally never listened to us or never met us ever, um, you're not going to know what's coming. But if you have, you're going to know what's coming. Are you ready to just jump into this right now? Man, let's do it. Yo, I am the motherfucking mo man by my side, my trusty compatriot. Yeah, I'm a mean Drew Law. I'm angry. Roman boss is something you got to deal with. So all of that collaborated, fabricated, it ain't going to equal up to this real shit. This past uh, Sunday, when this airs, it'll be two Sundays ago, but currently when we are recording this, Game of Thrones season series finale. Series finale. From season eight. I don't even know how to explain it. A nonsensical clusterfuck. Hey, did you get a dog recently? (laughs) Do you have a pet? No, I don't. Have any of your roommates lost control of their ability to control their bowels? Uh, I don't believe so. Because it smells like shit, man. It still smells like motherfucking shit. Yeah, and we had basically, I don't even know if it was a watch party or it was a therapy session, you know? It was. (laughs) We were hoping that the motherfucking show would come back to life, dog. You know, and before we start tearing this apart, two things I want to say before we get started on this. The first thing is I want to apologize for all of the people who I, at nauseum, was like, watch Game of Thrones. Best, it's the best show, show ever. ever. It subverts so many tropes. Oh You're going to love it. It's Big great same. fantasy. Literally shamed people for I, not I watching it. I can't apologize enough. I'm so fucking sorry that I did this to you. And the number two thing is, to all the people that are involved in Game of Thrones, the people who handle boom mics and who de- do CGI, to the sound people, to the actors, to everything it takes to create something as grand on the scale of Game of Thrones, Thank y'all for being incredible, and this is not necessarily about y'all and what y'all did. This is about writing. I mean, it ain't about you unless it is. What You want to just start off with these character arcs? Oh, God. Let's do. Uh, Who you want to start off with? Bruh, I feel like... Is Our it- most hated character? Okay, let's do that. Who is your most hated character? Throughout the, the entire season, I think it's been Sansa, just because, you know, she is... A white woman that continues to like white men, they tumble to the top. You know what right. I mean? They fall upwards. We talked about the Joffreys the entire episode, well, the whole show. We talked yeah. about how terrible the Joffreys of the Ramsey, how terrible Ramsey was. Right? It's important to remember, right? Even though she didn't understand the full impact of her decisions, this is a person that chose to marry Ramsey Bolton. You knew this was Ramsey Bolton, as in your brother's. Bannerman that betrayed him. You knew that. You knew that from the jump street. You knew this was the banner. Or, or if you didn't, that's even more fucked up. She basically played the I don't know card the entire season eight. Every time that there was a conversation surrounding power in the north or who was going to rule the north, even when it was John. There was moments of, I don't know, right. what if? Where where was her power coming from? Literally, it's like, all right, remember remember when the homie went to South Africa 
and he gave you his car while he was in South Africa. Yes. And then he came back, and then you gave his car back. That's essentially Sansa's shit. You had no real control. John was the king of the fucking north. Yo, I'm like, yo, look out for Winterfell when I come back. When I come back, Winterfell is no longer yours. It's mine. Nah, but she still wanted to drive that car. She thought she had. She, she was thought it obligated. was her car. It's yeah. our car now. If speaking specifically on writing, we talked about her and her conversation with Sandor Clegane, the Hound. She Where is, she's like, yeah, you know, if if I hadn't went through all these terrible things, up to and including sexual assault and rape. I wouldn't be where I am right now. This is why we talk so much shit about Dan and Dave. No woman would ever fucking say that. Yeah, no human being would ever say that, I feel like. You know, she goes into it. This is the same thing with Jon Snow becoming a Targaryen. In this moment, I was thinking, okay, now that Sansa is now spreading this information after Jon told her not to... This turns her into a villain. That was sort of where I was going I mean, with I mean, I felt like she had been a villain for a long time. Look, the thing is, I've seen that character done before and done better, right? A lot of people talk a lot of shit about Godfather 3. I actually am one of the few people that enjoyed Godfather 3. Now, is it is it cinematically as great as 1 and 2? No. But what they did with some of the character arcs is fascinating. I think about Connie. Connie is a great class study of someone who, who came out of an abusive relationship. You know, you're a very powerful daughter of a very powerful man. You're kind of a prize to be given to someone to placate. But someone who grows to be incredibly capable and incredibly ruthless in your own terms. But what Connie never does does is betray the fucking family connie stands up for michael when she feels like michael's not capable of doing it but at no point in time does she ever like well michael's a fucking idiot so we can't trust michael's decisions michael don't know what the fuck he's doing sansa has done far less in terms of speaking up for john than even Arya. right basically spent no time with john right and even in the last whatever it was the um the king's mood or whatever that council they were having at the end of the episode I think someone mentioned John and Arya was like, I mentioned my brother again. I'll cut your throat. Sansa didn't yeah, have see, shit to say, I have man. problems with that, too. But we'll, we'll get to OP fucking Arya in just a little bit. The thing about Sansa is we're told, we're told by the way of the writing at, at explicitly, right? Because they don't let us come to this through her own moves. That everything Sansa does is because she she only has the North in mind. She's only thinking about the Starks. And that's bullshit. That doesn't hold up in the fucking narrative. This is a person that has never, for six seasons, has not chosen family. The whole shit gets started because she chooses Joffrey over her dad and over her sister. When her dad and her sister are like, yo, we gotta get the fuck out of here. This shit is not okay. She's literally telling Arya, you're ruining everything. Because all that matters is that she gets her queen on. So we're told this kind of shit is wrong. This kind of base power love is wrong when it comes from Daenerys. But when it comes from Sansa, well, she's a Stark, so it's all good. And Sansa has repeatedly talked about not caring about the common people. Anybody that has less power or less stature than her, she has treated horribly. She's made fun of them. Remember her? What was her... um wasn't her chambermaid, but it was like one Septa of... Anella. Yeah. Uh, is do you that her even name? have hair under there? Yeah, I mean, I just... do. Do you want to see it? Oh, wait. I forgot. I don't care. I mean, everybody she's encountered, she has just When she ain't got no problems with Dion, like, tell me Bran and Recon want your brothers. No, they won't. I killed two, two regular Northerners. Oh, okay. Well, no problems. No problem. Fuck them. He gets the love and respect when he comes back. Like, he's a good dude, but with no provocation 
She never has any kind thing to ever say to Daenerys ever. Look, again, I can get that maybe, you know, you have suspicions, but then you have to write that shit in. Not, well, my suspicion is she brought her whole army up here to save all of our fucking people. I think she might be a bad person. Well, speaking of Daenerys, we are, I mean, this has been the biggest character for me over the last, I want to say, two or three seasons. Because mm. there has been this narrative of Danny's being like this like white savior and all these different things. But at this point, Danny is coming to Westeros full of white people. So that that narrative wasn't there for me. And now I have to hear about Daenerys being the Mad Queen. Let's run down. Let's run down the accomplishments of Daenerys right now. Let's we're do gonna, it. Let's do it. The first thing is that I have here, and please feel free to jump in at any time. When the Dothraki was raiding the village, the, she was the one that was like, hey, stop pillaging. She puts stop. her life on the line. Yeah, against blood riders, against yeah. Dothraki, some of the most feared, if not the most feared warriors in all of... Man, Robert's like, man, I'm not fighting them niggas. I mean, Fuck is y'all talking about fighting a Dothraki? We had to, y'all better kill that, bro. Threw her, you know, her body in the way to make sure that this didn't happen. That's number one. Number two, she basically freed an entire civilization from slavery. Yeah. Like, literally, Slaver's Bay is in the name. Yeah. It. Not only that, they talk about how the entire economy has shifted because slavery has basically been ended, not in, in all Astapor. of it, in, in, in Essos, but essentially that is the biggest place where slaves are bought and sold. For the whole continent, yeah. It ruins the economy of the slave trade so she can free human beings. She does this when she tries to give water to one of the slaves that was being crucified right. in front of the entire right. city. Right. Next thing I got here. Are we talking about, you know, her going crazy and, and killing a bunch of innocent people? Who the fuck was innocent at King's Landing, bruh? The motherfuckers that came to watch Ned Stark get his fucking head chopped off? Easy, easy. I'm, I'm, we're going to get all there. We're going to get all there. When she is brought, she has like the, I don't know what you would call it, but when all the citizens are coming to have court with uh, with the queen, mm-hmm. and they're like like how, you know, they would bring people to Solomon, and he would say, right, oh, let's right. do this, let's do this. Right. Oh, when she was uh, holding court in Marine. Yeah, so one of the Marinese brings her his daughter that had been killed and burnt by one of the dragons. She literally puts the dragons into a dungeon because yeah. she couldn't, it was unconscionable. The Breaker of Chains chained her children because her children were a threat to society. And then the big one. She completely changes her entire plan that she's had since the jump of coming and taking over Westeros and not even understanding really what the White Walkers do. She took her entire army, all of her dragons, risked all of them, and lost many of them. I mean, a significant portion to save the North. People who actually hate her and don't want to do anything, have any uh, uh, love for her, and also hate the two people that are probably the closest to her in Grey Worm and Masande. The North are still looking to, like, when the fuck are these black people getting the fuck out of here? But I'm supposed to look at these fucking racists. Like, they're good people. Like, oh, my God. Look at what she's done to King's Landing. She's about to do this to winter. I don't give a good goddamn what happens to these fucking races. So I have to believe that. And I have to also believe that whenever the whenever the Aegon originally came to take over Westeros, it wasn't fire and blood. I am now here to think that when Robert Baratheon took over the took over Westeros and King's Landing there wasn't tons of murder and tons of horrible things that are happening. Right. Don't we always root for the revenge story? Yeah. Isn't that a part of this yeah. narrative? I think also part of it is not understanding who Daenerys is because people don't have historical context. So first off, 
she is a conqueror. And that, that's canon. That's, that's what uh, Homeboy from the Second Sons is like. You are a conqueror. Look, Genghis Khan would not show up at your fucking city and be like, yo, is you niggas surrendering or not? And if you surrendered, it was all good. You got to join the fucking Mongol horde. If you didn't, he leveled the fucking city. Because- she gave more than enough chances to Cersei <coughs> and to everybody who was uh, in King's Landing. Like, hey, I have all... And she showed you her, her strength. She showed you when, when they came down, when they first had the battle with the Lannisters where Tyrion was there and all of that, and they burnt the gold to the ground and they burnt them in their metals, uh, you know, in their armor, and the Dothraki were there. She showed you what she is capable of. And to come to the, the gates of King's Landing and say, we are ready to accept your surrender. And them niggas was saucy, bro. And then you kill my numero uno, day one, A1. You put her in chain and then behead her. I mean, that's the whole point of why we're having a parlay. No blood is supposed to happen at a parlay. You violated the parlay. So at this point, it's, it's what you're telling me is whatever. You're telling me you choose gangster shit. And Cersei is the queen of I choose violence. So like you you... Have to deal with your enemy based upon the terms of how your enemy is going to deal with them. Another thing that I've seen is like, well, the bells. Yeah, but nobody had deactivated all of that fucking wildfire. Which, why the fuck didn't Tyrion, right? I know we're going to come to that. Why didn't Tyrion even advise her, yo, we have to find a way to neutralize this wildfire? Because he knew it was there. And you use the tools you have to win the fucking conflict you have. Arya's skill is she's a fucking assassin. So she killed all the phrase. We don't hear shit about how she's a maniacal fucking killer. All of them people that she killed at that fest, we're, we're, we're bringing all the way to Ari because Ari's a whole fucking list. But I'm just saying, the people that did wild shit. Tyrion used wildfire on Stannis' army. You used the tools you have. Those are the tools they had. The tool she had was a fucking dragon. If you didn't understand that she had a fucking dragon, was not afraid to use the shit... Then that's on you. Like, if Cersei had already blown up the Sept of Baylor and killed thousands of people, but you felt like staying in King's Landing was the fucking move, are you innocent? Let's talk about the person who did win the Iron Throne. Yeah. I don't know. Did you have this in your pool? I did, did, not. You, you did not. I did not either. The Three-Eyed Raven, formerly known as How come Brandon it couldn't Stark? be Brandon Brilliant, yo? Nah, he had to be broken. Sansa bitch ass. Hey, why I get to be him? His dick don't even work. <laughs> But she for the family, though. Y'all right. fucking Stark just won the whole fucking game, but not the right Stark. So, yo, we still seceding. Confederacy in the north. Literally, your brother is the king of <laughs> Westeros. And wrong you still king, got, bitch. Well, the wrong king is not me. Right. That's, that's how Sansa looks at it. Right. I mean, there's so many issues with Bran becoming king. I mean, I remember when there was a conversation uh, going on while they were with the, um, the previous Three-Eyed Raven when they're in uh, what's the tree that that they're the the god's eye the god's eye and they're having some there's having some sort of conversation and he's asked like you know you could be a lord or you could do this you could do that I'll never be a lord that I mean that's canon that was in your own show it's in that season it's oh. like three episodes earlier I mean this ain't like some cut from like fucking season three where like this motherfucker they had an arc and change and be like you know what realistically i am the one i have the wisdom i have the power it should be me no so now you have to look at the fact that and we've seen him having these green visions of the dragon going the whole time so now you have to look at bran as the villain because you provoked this whole shit hey hey sam i see you triggered and fucked up right now Tell John. Tell John. This is why. This is why this season. Like I know people are saying it's still one of their favorite shows. 
this is why this season really ruins everything about the last whatever since the beginning right. of of Game of Thrones because you now have to look at Bran as a criminal mastermind and they don't even lean into it like you know it's on some sinister shit but like at this point you have to look at like if he didn't have it as a plan at this point everything he has said since Littlefinger said you know you should be the lord of Winterfell and he says chaos is a ladder at this point, to look at it like, oh shit, this is when this motherfucker chose right here and there. And he manipulated everyone Everybody. to his will. All of these knew- deaths are on him. Which is absurd to think about now. Like, that's why I'm saying, like, I'm sorry that we made you watch this because this is so egregious. Um, let's move on. Who else we got here? Uh, unless you had Arya, man. Let's talk about OP okay. fucking Arya so Stark. You gotta love, I mean, Arya, I think, is the biggest, maybe not, maybe she's number two to Tyrion, but the biggest casualty of fans loving a character. So fan service has been done to the point where now her character I think is she's irrelevant. Number one, bro. I think people like her even more than Tyrion. Okay. People get very un. All right, so let's talk about, I think it was like maybe the third or the fourth podcast we were talking about in game versus Game of Thrones. What is Arya's job? If you had to give it one word, what is her? What does she do? I would say, and uh, she's an assassin. All right. Now we have an assassin in the Avengers. Who is that person? I would say that would be Black Widow, Natasha. In the Avengers, we're always like, well, "What the fuck is she gonna fucking do?" Yeah. Right. Now when you're talking about bodies. Look, th- fuck what you heard. Black Widow has more bodies than Arya could ever hope to get to. Arya She's got is, probably 25, 30 years plus of, of work, yeah, bruh. Global. Like, Black Widow is really nice with this shit. She's a world-class assassin. Yet you realize when it comes to shit like the greater scheme of things, there's shit she can't do. But when we in Game of Thrones, motherfuckers act like it's completely realistic that someone like Arya could defeat someone like Brienne and not see it as what it was. Brienne is fucking sparring with you, little girl. And like from there, it went all the way to crazy land. Like she's defeating, at, like you know what I'm saying? Like when she's talking shit to Yara now, you're in a world where you're not dealing with little kids no more. Everybody you're talking to is a fucking killer. Yara is a fucking killer pirate queen. Another, yeah, another conqueror. A person who, and like, honestly, like, you know how the Ironborn are. Like, think about leading an army of the Ironborn and being a woman. You know what I wanted to see? Because Dan and Dave are so fucking ridiculous, right? I just wanted to see Arya sailing off in her ships. And Nancy and the Greyjoy fleet come down and fuck them up. So that they dumbasses could come on one more time. Well, you know, she's forgotten about the Iron Fleet, but they clearly hadn't forgotten about her. (laughs) She forgot about the Iron Fleet. You're talking a lot of shit at the King's Move, bitch. What's happening now, partner? You have to appreciate what Arya went through. Because when they're having the conversation of who, you know, who's been through more uh, than Bran? I mean, look, Bran has seen a lot of crazy shit, Mm. but in terms of gone through a lot of shit... You got to look at Arya was blind. I mean, her her life was basically over. She was in um, Bravos mm-hmm. uh, after you know, she had betrayed the faceless men. She was a blind beggar, and she came back from that. I mean, that's an incredible story. I, like, it sure it is, right? And we're talking about that. But if we're gonna talk about like the suffering train, I feel like again, right? It's our lens to always magnify what happens to Europeans because we have to look at the reality of the story is. Arya is not a top five person as far as tragedies go. It's just you don't tend to think about the people that have had greater tragedy. No one even remembers all the shit Varys had to do to get on. And Varys is ambiguously ethnic, right? He's supposed to be Asiatic slash, slash, slash. When he had to live as a beggar on the fucking streets, where he had to fucking sell his body to live until, you know, he's cut 
root and fucking stem. Think about what's happening to Grey Worm, what his whole life has had to be like since birth. You were sold for a fucking debt. You were cut root and stem. You've been forced to, to desensitize yourself, whereas you're surprised you can even have a, a crush on somebody because you've never had these kind of feelings before because you've never even been allowed to have any type of emotion whatsoever. But he's supposed to be calm when the person that helped him fucking achieve his fucking freedom gets murked the fuck out. Just like your homie. Oh, and they killed your boo. In, in, in like wild fucking form. And knowing and, and, and speaking of his boo, think about uh, what Masande had What Masande's life had to be like had yeah. to be hell. Considering what we know about the slavers of fucking Astapor. You know how they were talking about Daenerys right there? Like, yeah, you know. If she hit it, I might take off a thousand dollars. You know what I'm saying? She thinks she could throw me a little ass and get these unsullied. I can't even imagine what Miss Sandy's life had to be like. And she's coming from the island of Noth, which is like an incredibly peaceful place. So she's coming out of a small utopian island in the middle of I don't know uh, what the 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 body of water is below right. Essos. And the, her, her entire whole life and has not been only, trauma. And not only that, her entire island is constantly being raided by right. slavers. And so not only did it happen to her, you know that it's happened to people that she's known. And she's basically had to live under tyrants getting screamed at all the time. And God knows what else has, has happened to her. So I know I told that's a great right? point. And so like we don't even think about the kind of suffering that all of these people have went through. Fuck, man. Even as terrible as Melisandre is, you know, she was sold as a slave. She was enslaved as a fucking child, and for hundreds of years, she's had to worship this fire god cult and do the shit that they say. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, like, you know. And what's what's even worse when it comes uh, to the Red Woman is she uh, basically came to Westeros to find the prince that was promised. Right. But good luck on that shit. They broke their promise. I guess not a single prophecy ended up meaning shit, bruh. Not a single. Sorry. So where are we at? We went through. Aria, we were talking we about Br- a brand, and we, 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 we fucking Bran. No, Bran. We oh, were talking shit. about Bran, and we just kind of went off into nothing. The fact that he is the king, and like this is this is really what the true slap in the face is when he comes to the first um, the small council. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he is being uh, wheeled in by Podrick, and he just kind of steps in there, doesn't say anything. He's like, "Oh, we need a master of whispers." Uh, where where do we have that? Bitch, you! Don't you know everything? You! Isn't that the reason why we made you king? Because you know everything? And then he just goes Left. right back out. Yeah. He just no, leaves. He's no different from Robert Baratheon. The wheel has not been broken. Now, let's see. Now, we got to go to Tyrion. Let's really break down Tyrion, everybody's motherfucking favorite. Can I ask? Okay, I have one question for sure. you. Sure. When is the last time that you looked at Tyrion and go and went, damn, that was a good move. Good move, Tyrion. The trial where they were uh, when he was on trial for killing Joffrey. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about season four, bro. Ooh, He's my been goodness. worthless for like four fucking seasons. Drunk, woe is me. I kill my daddy. Oh my god, my girlfriend cheated on me. Like, bro, she told you from the jump, bro. I'm not your fucking girlfriend. How many bro. times did he tell that story? I've killed my father. I strangled my lover. It's you like, used it to get a job that you then reneged on the whole time because when he's interviewing with Daenerys, she like, yo. You know, I'm going to Westeros to fuck your family up. Do you have a problem with this? I'm the greatest Lannister killer there is. Then we yeah. get there, hey, hey, be nice to my sister who's literally got, hey, yo, in the book, not to be that dude about the books versus the show. The show did this a little bit and they didn't really hold on to it. But in the books, it's a major thing that Cersei is literally killing every dwarf 
in the land and putting bounties on them just on the off chance it could be Tyrion. Yeah, and that's some Pharaoh of Egypt type shit right there. But this is this is what I don't understand. Tyrion's first plan in attacking Westeros was, was to take shit. Well, it was to take Casterly Rock, which is the castle for the Lannisters. So aren't you at that point saying, I don't give a shit about the Lannisters? I'm even if it's a stupid idea, I'm not I'm conceding that it was. Right, right. But my question is, doesn't that remove him emotionally from killing? I mean, he like literally is sitting there while dragons are burning Lannister troops in their uh, in their armor, and he's just a part of it. And again, these are the soldiers of a tyrannical government. If you have a problem with the Lannisters being killed at the end of it, then you would have had a problem with Nazis being killed at the end of World War II. Oh, they're just doing their job. They chose to fucking follow a tyrannical person that was blowing up their own fucking cities. But again, because people have this inerrant desire to see goodness in people that look like them, mainstream America sees no problem with the mainstream Lannister troops, even though the Lannister troops have been committing atrocities for eight seasons. They cut fucking Rob's head off and fucking, you know, put that shit, put the wolf on his fucking head. Oh, my God. And can I ask a question? Did you see any of the unsullied killing children? No. Did you see them, uh, well, I guess, I mean, they couldn't, but, I mean, they weren't torturing anybody. No, but we did see northern troops trying to rape people. Yeah. Why wasn't that held against John? These are your soldiers, bro. I mean, John has been useless for I don't know how many episodes now. I mean, what's the last, I mean, look, you have to respect the fact that he went down to talk to Daenerys. And that was the last thing that I remember going, oh, that was smart of you, John. That was something that you did for the people. You know you needed Daenerys to save uh um, oh, i thought you meant the, the last scene i'm like that wasn't smart but yeah no i feel you when yeah. he left from the north to have that yeah that's yeah. Uh, season seven see mm-hmm. i i think yeah, we, yeah. i think we disagree on season seven i thought uh, season seven has a lot of good moments yeah, that i can pull me. from it's season seven to me is great if you can pick it off a la carte because it's like a buffet full of things you don't like but there was like six or seven items on the buffet that made that I liked so I could I could have a good meal. You said something the other day though that really struck me. Like when she came and took King's Landing, that really destroyed the whole impetus for the whole seventh season because that should have been season 7 episode 1. Yeah. I came and I took the fucking castle. This is what I could have done at any fucking time. The only reason I didn't do it is because I'm getting terrible advice from fucking Tyrion, which, like you said, again, right? Tyrion's like, take Casterly Rock. Bitch, why? Why do I need to take Casterly What the fuck does that got to do with anything? What do I gain from this? Don't you save a significant amount of lives if you go directly into King's Landing from Jump, raise it to the ground, and then everybody else in Westeros can go, all right, all right, we have a new right. queen. Let's- How's that any worse than what Cersei's done, right? This is the one thing you had to do to attain power. They knew what the fuck it was. They gave them an opportunity to leave. They didn't, right? These are the people. You know what it is? Did you, you Have you seen the movie uh, Clerks? Yes, I have. Right? Remember the scene where Randall is talking to the dude about the motherfuckers that work at the Death Star? Yes. That's the where we that- are. <laughs> if you right. are a soldier working in the Red Keep, you knew Darth Vader was your fucking boss, and sooner or later this shit might catch up with you. Yeah, killing soldiers to me is like not as egregious as I think people want to make Soldiers killing it. soldiers is literally what soldiers sign up to do. So this is, uh, we're gonna, uh, we have more characters to get to, but I do want to, you brought up a good point that I had made, and I appreciate you for bringing it back up. This is such an easy fix, because... All you have to do is after Varys goes to Dorne and then presses select and quick travels back to Marine, 
Was that his last useful thing? Yeah, And then Dorn, he's talking about fire and blood, but now we got a problem. So let me tell you why I think everyone's broken. Is because Game of Thrones turned into Days of Our Starks. Man, fucking facts! It literally became a show about the Starks and the inner workings of what they were doing, which is complete fan service, which is what we're going to get to a little bit later. But everyone was depowered in terms of intelligence. Everyone. So you could make things work. You come in. You get to Dragonstone, you go directly, you take King's Landing. That can be four or five episodes. You can have some great stuff going on with that. And then for a next season and a half, we focus on the thing that we've been talking about since the first scene of episode one, season one, where the Night's Watch goes north. They find the White Walkers. One of the Night's Watch men get away, and then he basically is pleading with Ned Stark saying, hey, there's White Walkers. They exist. I know you're going to kill me. But they exist. That was episode one, basically Mm. the first 20 minutes. And then you get to have that catharsis with a season and a half of going after the Night King, who would never put himself in harm's way. They should have been. I mean, yeah, no, you're totally right. All of season seven, minus one or two episodes to wipe out fucking Cersei, because that's all it would have took. Right. Since we've seen that with with a fourth of her army, she wiped the ass in one day. We kept hearing about the Golden Company. They didn't kill a single person. But we've already seen, right, Dan and Dave are the masters of the shaggy dog, right, which is, like, terrible writing. And look, guys, when y'all think that we just being some haters, please understand, like, I am a writer by trade. Amin is a writer by trade. Not that, like, I give tons of fucking credence to degrees and such, but I do have a degree in English and writing. Like, fucking discourse analysis is kind of what I've been trained to do. So, like, when we're breaking this shit down, this is, like, just based upon the text, looking at what we're seeing in the text and where it's going wrong in the fucking text. Well, yeah, and I dislike when people say things like, oh, it's just a show. Like, it's not. It's not. Art is not just a thing for me. And it's an extension of who I am as a person. I am an artist. That's what, first and foremost, I am. That's how I've moved through my entire life. So when you see something like this where the art is taking out of something so it can be focus grouped. Like, that's the reason why Schmegular Degulars don't right. make art. It's like watching Michelangelo start David and then he just start like spray painting dicks on it toward the end. <laughs> like, you know, he get like okay. 80% done. Like, you're going to be mad because it's like, damn, this was about to be something fucking beautiful, man. Yeah. Now it's just 80% done with spray painted dicks. All right. So, I mean, I don't feel like even gotten really to to Tyrion and I mean the amount of mistakes Bruh. that he's made I Tyrion mean, hurts me the most because Tyrion is the, clearly the character I saw the most of myself in as a short slutty ass dude with a big ass mouth yeah. right I'm like this is my dude right and then like Tyrion literally has not had a useful thing to say that moved the narrative forward in a positive way as an advisor right since but what's the last thing he says when he's on the trial I wish I had poison enough to kill you all He's looking for a tool to enact his vengeance. He didn't have a tool, so he had to leave. And he went and got the best tool you could have ever gotten, which was the Dragon Queen with two of the most powerful, if not most powerful, armies in the existence of all of... And three weapons of mass destruction. She has the tools. Those same people provoked her the same way they provoked fucking Tyrion. He keeps screaming about how he killed his father. And you loved your father more than you loved Cersei. So why now is the killing of Cersei... Look, I get that he has a friendship with Jaime, but that's not where 
the issues are coming in when it comes to the plot. Because it's not like Jamie can rein fucking Cersei ass in. Nobody can rein Cersei in. Shout out to Lena Haiti, man. First off, you are the fucking queen. You were so great. You were probably the only character who they totally didn't. I mean, and then they fucked you up too by making you fuck Euron, and that was totally like she said that she felt like that was not within what her character would do. Dan and Dave made her do it anyway. So we were watching. Remember, were we watching the um, the YouTube video on why The Wire was such a great show? Right. So in The Wire, they talk about how the directors and the writers for The Wire told all the actors, "Hey, if there's anything that you feel like your character is doing that is against what you think the character should do." Let us know so we can get it right. We want you to dive into these characters so you can become them and you can make sure that you are going off what their natural progression would be. So why didn't that happen in Game of Thrones? And I think it's because we're going to get into Dan and Dave soon. But They're fucking egos. It's their, Right. And it's just the egos of, of white men. They're, they have to be right in all moments. But look, I know, I know people are saying that Dan and Dave are laughing all the way, all the, way to the bank. I think there's going to be some huge backlash from that. Um, but let me tell you who's really laughing to the bank is Lena Headley, who basically sat in front of the the keep, drank <laughs> wine, and, wine. and a made million a million dollars an episode, a million an episode Man. to basically just dress up and just stare. I mean, God that damn. was. I mean, hey, and you the real you. queen, baby girl. But at this point, I mean, Cersei is so vile. I mean, like, and then the death of Cersei is just. You talk about some lackluster shit. So much for the fucking uh, the Valencar, man. So much for all of that shit. Where literally we could have stepped like 10 feet this fucking way and we'd have been alive. Can we go off? The, can we just talk about this last character that we just have to talk about? Jon Snow. Jon Snow. Oh, wait. I do want to say this one more thing. Oh, about Tyrion. lead us right into it. Yeah, Okay, Tyrion. perfect, perfect. Right. So Tyrion, when he flexed on maximum on fucking Daenerys, right? Flexed on maximum. I'm taking my shit off. I'm grabbing the mic and I'm saying, fuck you, fuck you, fuck oh, you. Oh, when he and was I'm like, out. I don't need these, this stinking badge. Yeah. You don't need no stinking right? badges. Now again, you looked up to your brother your whole fucking life. When your brother was on some wild shit and he stabbed fucking Ares, he stabbed Ares and he knew what the consequences may well be. Bro, you want to be your brother your whole life? Here's your fucking moment. Here's your fucking moment. Stab the fucking Mad Queen. Nah, I'm going to go do some fucking manipulative shit. And, and, like, what's so crazy about that scene, which leads us right to Jon Snow, is when we talk about bad writing, this is it. Because literally the episode before this, we already demonstrated that Tyrion, though he has been the chief advisor to Daenerys for years, still has not bothered, can't be bothered to learn fucking uh, Valyrian. Because Valyrian is shit. He can't speak Valyrian worth the fuck, and he can't speak Dothraki at all. The whole speech Daenerys is giving is in Dothraki, and then it's in Valyrian. So he shouldn't even know what the fuck she's saying. Literally, she could be saying, hey, we had a great fucking war. We won. Shit is over. You know, the spoils are ours. We the winners, yo. We the best. The audacity to think that you can run. I mean, like, that's another terrible point in the writing. The fact that you can stand in front of the queen of the seven kingdoms and basically at Flex. this, at it this point, been on site. at this point, what their her followers have to believe is the queen of the world and take off the hand of the king pin and throw it to the ground. If she didn't kill you, 
immediately any of the the unsullied should have been like, oh, and never a moment of self reflection. Like, damn, maybe my bad fucking advice has pushed her to this. I feel guilt because I have advised her so poorly and fucking cost her so much. She felt like the only way she could win is to do it this way because she could not trust my bad decisions anymore. Yeah. And also, I literally betrayed her within 24 hours of her saying, never betray me again. And you already see she on the fucking edge because she feel like she can't trust none of these Westerosi motherfuckers. You're supposed to be her only Westeros tie. And within 24 hours, you back to committing treason with your fucking family. You only got the job because you said you not fucked up what happens to them. Uh, so that brings us to uh, Jon Snow. Snow, a.k.a. Aegon Targaryen. A.k.a. Kill Your Bay. Is there any more dangerous job in Westeros than fucking Jon Snow? No, that's certain death. I I think Jon has been the character that has been fucked up the most because Jon has one principle that we have been banging over everyone's head for the last four or five seasons is Jon, if you were to put him in a video game and he has strength and you have constitution and you have focus and you have intelligence and you have charisma... He's not high on really. I mean, he's, he's no. maybe in the middle in some of those, but his valor is off the charts. Terrible it's, leadership. He's not a good general. He's not a good captain. But you do have to appreciate that he is trying to do the right thing in all moments. And after he hits Daenerys with the Raphael sigh. Yeah, where the fuck was he even hiding at? I can I ask a question. When John goes to see Tyrion... They make him give up his sword. Right. Yes? So when you go see Daenerys, there's no guards. Why is anyone even allowed to see this person who's been arrested on, uh, on uh, treason right now? Because when I saw it happen, when I, and when I saw John hit her with the sigh, or whatever, the, the dagger. <laughs> right. <laughs> the dagger. The I'm starting to say the sigh, but the dagger. Not only did he have the dagger, he had his sword. I mean, I, you, you see it on, on his right. side. Where is her queen's guard? I mean, it's just so many parts of it that doesn't that don't make sense. But I think what I'm getting at is John doesn't kill people unless he absolutely has to. And the like soliloquy or whatever that Tyrion gave when he's in the cell or whatever it looked like a room in the Red Keep somewhere that anybody could get out of. Half the fucking King's Landing is destroyed. I, I just don't even... I mean, Tyrion could escape there. I, I feel like it wouldn't be difficult. It's not consistent even with what they're doing within this season, man. Fucking Varys starts talking that treason shit. He like, shut the fuck up. This my queen. But you gonna let fucking Tyrion get a whole fucking speech? And it's not like the fucking the, the horrors of war because you literally know that war brings the worst out in men, John. You of all people should know this. You literally saw Northmen trying to rape people in King's Landing. These are your troops. These weren't Dothraki. These definitely weren't Unsullied. But you're going to judge fucking Daenerys? I mean, how many people, how many of the free folk has the North killed? It, it has to be an insane amount of people. And I feel like... When it comes to the free folk, the the Night's Watch or the or the people of the North, man, they kill the kids. They kill right. everybody. How many man. people in Torment? I mean, this is literally why the little kid stabs John. He's like, bro, you and Torment are friends. Torment kill my mom. Torment kill my sister. Torment all of these fucking wildlings. And he kill- do it again. Right. And in a heartbeat, he did it again. And it's literally John's best friend. So now it's a problem. You yeah. get how war is, bro. 
Like, so none of that shit made any sense at all. And it's only because Dan and Dave, there's a thing in writing called pantsers and there's a thing called plotters. Have you heard of this? No, break it down. Right. So a pantser, right? Most poets are pantsers. The best poets I know are all pantsers. That is to say, we get maybe just a, a concept in our mind and we're writing and we're allowing the writing that we do to flow through us and we allow it to surprise us and the poem is done then we go and we edit and it all that and just make it make the shit make sense plotters say i'm gonna write a list poem uh it's gonna talk about a b and c this is gonna happen that's gonna happen and this is gonna happen and then you just write the poem to fill in the points of the plot very few good poets are plotters. I would say that I have to become a plotter sometimes when you're commissioned. Sometimes you're commissioned right. for some work and you have to kind of give them that kind of situation. But right. that's not how you would do it if you of had the option. Of your own volition, right? Correct. Now, there are lots of fiction writers and they're plotters. And, you know, as far as that works for fiction, it is what it is, right? I feel like most of those stories that were kind of convoluted. And you can tell a plotter... Right, because things happen that don't seem to make sense. Like, for example, we're gonna take the dragons over the wall with just seven people. We're gonna go north of the wall, but I'm not gonna take ghosts. I'm not gonna take any horses. I'm not gonna take provisions. I'm not gonna take a small elite force. Now I'm gonna take eight niggas to fight the army of the fucking dead, just so that we can lose a dragon. Right, that's plotting. Right, we're like this is a plot point that we've written. Yeah, you to. need to depower Daenerys, so you need to kill off two of the dragons. I mean, bro, did you see how incredibly powerful Drogon was? Right, when he got down. I mean, it was like we were talking about F sixteens or whatever fighter jet that exists that would decimate somebody. I mean, they had how I don't even know how many of those damn scorpions they had. Right, they probably had seventy of them. Right, Drogon to save their lives. You know what? I actually bought that. That was maybe not all of them. Yeah, but right. how come she? But how come Rhaegal gets? killed in with way less scorpions right. i mean like Facts. i mean I, on a, a ship they're vastly higher right like i get that she can go down right. and do that but then don't tell me Rhaegal gets killed when he's i don't know how mm-hmm. many 80 feet in the air and that's the problem and right? he gets hit twice yeah three times actually oh my two goodness. in the chest and one in the head i mean who was who was using that randy johnson yeah. like i mean the type of just incredible accuracy <laughs> And see, I didn't buy that, though, because, one, we've already established that dragons cannot be killed by ordinary means. Like, Martin has said that himself. But then from there, they should have been able to see these kind of things. I, my problem is, if I saw a dragon, and I'm a pretty brave guy, bruh, and it was flying dead at me with the intention to kill me, I don't know that I could keep my morale. And I feel like that's kind of what happened with the King's Landing shit. Motherfucker's like... I don't even fuck with Cersei like this. I'm not about to fucking stand here and get burned the fuck up. So you fail a morale check, and now even though you got 70 of these fucking scorpion shits, how many niggas is jumping ship? Like, I'm not I'm not going to stay here and fucking die for the shit. Especially get burned alive burned by dragon alive. fire. Yeah. That's a tough way to go, man. So, like, that shit actually made sense, but you, like you said, you got to keep it the same energy, man. Honestly, man, Dan and Dave need to learn same energy. Same energy. Because from, I mean, not even, from episode to episode, it changes. Euron gets stabbed, Euron stabs Jamie after magically finding him on the fucking uh, beach, right? The one spot on the beach. Ooh, and how even Davos, right? Davos didn't even have no close relationship with Tyrion, but Davos is just going to casually commit treason with, with fucking Tyrion. Let's talk about the number one issue that, that everything stems from, all at the top, and that's Dan and Dave. Dan and Dave. Um, as we move forward um, in our Game of Thrones breakdown, I, I sort of wanted to talk about Dan and Dave and the difference between an artist and a person who works with artists. What Dan and Dave was doing is they were adapting the Game of Thrones uh, books that were written by George R. R. Martin. They were just 
by adapting them for screenplay. And what happened was once the books ran out, which was like a what, like around season four or five? Yeah. Um, you know, they were getting more and more tidbits from George R. R. Martin, but once season seven hit, you could tell that there was no longer a narrative that existed. And you were talking about it earlier, and, and we had mentioned this before, but creating a plot point and saying, this is what we want. We want Arya to kill the Night King. How do we get there? Well. there We want Theon to have a redemption arc. Okay, let's write to how we get there. Well. You know, we know that Daenerys is, uh, we want her to go mad. So here's the arc. What happens is, is like you were saying, we're not creating a story that is based off of what a what the character because at some point, your characters are what drives your plot. Your plot doesn't drive your characters, and this happens a lot when I see money grabs when it comes to like sequels. We always talk about well, the sequel is never as good as the first one, except when it is, and that's the exception, and the exception proves the rule. It's why, you know, video games uh, have this grand scale but aren't as good anymore. It's, it's, I mean, you can go down every sort of art form and pick out spots where fan service and all these other things start to go into a piece of art and it ruins it. And if you, if you look at Dan and Dave and what they do, they took that approach, they, they, they took the, the tropes, they took the fan service and they basically created a nonsensical two seasons. Yeah, I mean, and it's really tough to see, right? Because I love fantasy so much as a genre. But I mean, at this point, I feel like the story writing in the, the video game Dragon Age is better. It's a more comprehensive story than what Dan and Dave were able to do with what's arguably one of the greatest fantasy stories of all time. The amount of source material that they had, the amount of character development that already existed, the budget that they had for cinematography and CGI and music. It should have been impossible for them to fail, right? And then, like, what's so insulting is they create all this meta-commentary within the show, you know, that's supposed to be, like, deep. Like, the whole conversation, well, it's about, you know, who has the best story. You're literally preaching to me from the show right now. Like, that's not what this show has ever been, where, like, we're going to break it down in the episode. Like, that's shit that Deadpool does. And he does it in a more clever way. You know what was so funny to me? When I was talking with my coworkers about the Starbucks cup and the plastic bottle that was under Samuel's foot. Cup. Yeah, twice yeah. in one season. I, I mean, and they essentially, like, yeah, well, maybe they just threw it in there for a joke. Like, that's where the audience is with how ridiculous this is. Oh, absolutely. And, and Tyrion becomes an excuse for them, right? Everybody talks about how Sam is really George R. R. Martin writing himself into the story. Well, Tyrion is Dan and Dave writing themselves in. A person who is fucking incompetent but continues to fail up. You you fail and they give you a better job. And if you want to talk about it in real life, Dan and Dave are now working on the new Star Wars movie. Working on the new Star Wars. And actually, Dave, he wrote X-Men Origins. Wolverine like, Origins, yeah. Fucking terrible. God awful I mean, it's, film. it's up there with worst superhero movies of all time. And, and when you talk about, you were just saying Tyrion being able to fail up. And he failed up probably the most. I think Sansa's yeah. a, a close as well. But he failed all the way. He literally 
stopped being handed a king for what less than 24 hours yeah maybe 48 hours maybe right. three or four days i'm not gonna work for the woman anymore you now look at dan and dave being a part of star wars which you know we've talked about here uh on this podcast before not necessarily uh my favorite and uh, i don't think it's yours but but what I'm saying is with Star Wars, with the larger, like, nerddom populace, uh, it's got to be one of the biggest sci-fi experiences, I mean, you know, that the world has seen. And, I mean, I, I root the, for Star Wars. It's the preeminent sci-fi story right now. I mean, that doesn't mean that I think it's the best, but it's undeniable. There's nothing bigger than it. But don't you want to see it do well? I I know I'm going to watch most Star Wars, but I you know, I really the prequels killed it for me. You know, I really did like a couple of the new ones, you know, but like it's not like when I was a kid and like Darth Vader and the Emperor and it's just I that is gone. Like I'll never have that kind of love for it again. But I know people do love it. And people that I love Lots love it. Do. So yeah. what I'm saying is I want it to do well, but I'm I'm looking at the the Tyrion level white dude failing up with Dan and Dave here. And I, and it also sucks too, man, because it's just another time where two white dudes catch wins when they shouldn't. And where everyone else is scrutinized other than white men. People run around and, you know, they wonder why the Dothraki, you know, basically didn't have any lines except, you know, they didn't, the, the, the Unsullied, we only knew one character. And why Daenerys, even though was, you know, far more of a, a compassionate ruler than any of the rulers that we have seen, is too mad to, to do anything. Yeah, why Daenerys Sansa's, speaks more Dothraki than any, more lines of Dothraki than any other Dothraki. That's <laughs> to say, I mean, and they're just treated like they don't exist. They they no. exi- they are a, only they exist. They didn't even write them out of the show, really. I mean, they showed where the Unsullied went, but they really didn't wrap up. Because there's no reason, I mean, truthfully, if we're going to be real, when Sansa's up there talking that shit, oh, well, there are all these Northmen. Man, the Dothraki don't give a fuck running through these Northmen. They beat the Lannisters, and the Lannisters beat y'all like pinatas. And the Dothraki are a nomadic tribe. They're going right. to, I mean, like, what do you expect them to do now? Right. Like, I mean, at this point, aren't they like, okay, well, we run this shit, so let's yeah. go enjoy the victories, right. you know, spoils of our victory. Like, oh, they went back to Essos. Why would they? It's canon. They hate being on boats. They did that shit for Daenerys. Daenerys is dead. Realistically, the Dothraki horde has been unleashed on fucking Westeros. There's there's no reason they would leave. No, I think they strongly inferred that they went back to Essos. But don't we see the Doth? Well, I guess they're at the docks, but strongly inferred. That's what we're going with right now. Right. There's no retaliation. Right. This was their call of calls. Like the same way that, that the Unsullied and Grey Worm have feelings about this, there's no way the Dothraki culture wouldn't have feelings about this. Yeah. This was their call of calls. And Dan and Dave don't even feel like they have to wrap that bow up. Because who the fuck cares about them? No, because it's the days of our Starks. That's all we see at the end. We we see Arya. We see Jon. We see Sansa. And then we see Tyrion and the, the small council with Bronn on it doing God right. knows what. Now let's think about, right, because there's a there's a the field that says, like, well, the, at the end of the thing, it was trying to be anti-imperialism. And that's what they're making a statement against. Okay. Sansa is now the queen of the north, right? Bronn is now the king of the six kingdoms. Jon is the king beyond Bran. the wall. I'm sorry, Bronn. Mm-hmm. Bran. Bran. Uh, is the is is the king of the six? Uh, is the lord of the six 
realms, right? John is the king beyond the wall, and Arya is sent off to essentially conquer the new world, which is exactly what Daenerys did, but Daenerys is evil when she does it, but Arya is a fan fucking favorite, so... You know, there's a lot of, you know, things that we need to be talking about. There is a a tremendous amount of, uh, you know, political influence and oppression that is existing right now in the world. But this is just something I felt like we really needed to discuss. Yeah, it's a cultural moment that's happening. And, you know, most of our podcasts for you guys have been very, very heavy, you know, and we want to give you a little bit of balance of all of these things, right? But still giving you that sociopolitical edge where it breaks down why these things are failing. And at the end of the day, it comes down to heteropatriarchal understanding of how minorities and and non-men work. That's why it failed. At the end of the day, the root cause behind what made Game of Thrones fail is the same reason why you have the kind of president that you have. It's all these people that have a fear of what happens when there are strong women, what happens when there are minorities that have positions of power that don't necessarily assimilate. And the show becomes a great meta-commentary on all of those things. All of it is connected. Well said, my friend. Well said. So with that being said, like that's really all we have today other than some shout-outs and fuck yous. Of course, we got to get on to that. But next week, we will be back talking our normal shit. But we had to... We had to um, you know, pop off. We had to pop off because we've been popping off, I think, for like the last year and oh, a half yeah. and especially oh, yeah. the last few weeks. So the it would be um, disingenuous for us to have a podcast and not talk about the thing that we've been talking about the most. With that being said, uh, I got some shout outs. I got some fuck yous. Do you have some shout outs and fuck yous? Yo, I got a shout out. No, yeah, I got a fuck you. All right, let's do it. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. Fuck you. I'm out. So I have um, I have a fuck you. I would like to. Uh, do you mind if I start? Please do. Since we're talking about media and we're talking about just schmegular degular shit that I don't like, fan service bullshit. Uh, I want to send a big fuck you to Joiner Lucas. Hi, uh, I, I cornball motherfucker. He's, he's the patron saying a cornball motherfucker. He is the type of dude that makes people go on their computers and go to YouTube and type in. This is real hip hop. Like you know the re- this is real hip hop dudes. That's like niggas that be listening to Logic and Eminem and shit. Oh, and you can add Logic <laughs> to the fuck yous too. And this is interesting about Logic, man. He actually grew up um, on the same street as my play cousin did. I used to uh, run up and down that street, oh, man. And he just is like, we just these dudes is whack as shit. They think rapping fast and making fun of trap music is like. How you get on. And the thing that really makes me not fuck with Joyner Lucas is he has this song where he's like in a church and he's talking about all the people that he would uh, take, you know, take back from heaven and the people that he would give, you know, and he's saying like, oh, I would would give you R. Kelly and we'll take back Michael Jackson. And it's like, bro, right. like, how do you not? Right. In the same song, he's like, uh, let's take back Suge Knight and let's take Easy. Now, look, motherfucker. Easy is the patron saint of fucking short dude. So of course, short black hood dude, I love Easy. But let's not be uh let's not lie about yeah. who the fuck Easy they was. They both was they both were making similar moves, <laughs> bro. It just goes to show you that these dudes only exist in like the status quo world where like whatever the popular belief is is what right. they're interested in. I, you know what I hate? I hate that they've reclaimed what it means to be lyrical. Like just throwing together fucking stupid ass nonsensical rhymes don't make you lyrical. My medulla oblongata is hotter. That's why I'm calling the shotters. Lyrical, miracle, spiritual, spherical. I'm like, man. Fuck that shit. Man, Shut the fuck up. 
fuck up. Yeah, if you ever say lyrical spiritual, you're done for me. You're done for me as an artist. You may as well be like, you know what I'm saying? Realize, realize, realize. (laughs) Hey, that shit was hot in 95, bro. 95, it was. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's my fuck yous. Yo, fuck you to uh, billionaires in general because those motherfuckers are real life dragons that have either inherited or stole their way to an amount of money that is insurmountable. At this point, you cannot lose, and they either passively or actively are engaged with killing the peasants that ask for more. I mean, 10 years ago, motherfuckers were asking for $15 an hour, and motherfuckers are still running that shit like it's some kind of fucking, you know, battle flag. 10 years later, and the billionaire still can't give it up. I remember, I think it was Bill Clinton, I think it was Slick Willie, mm. where he was like, he doesn't know about the minimum wage going to $15 an hour because it should be more. And I was like, well, bro, can you get it to 15 first? Right. You know, like this is the type of rhetoric that right. you hear from these people, man. Well, right, them, right, man. right. Now, look, as a kid, bro, I wanted to be a millionaire, man. Back when I still gave a fuck about money because I wanted to have a comfortable life. A billionaire is not about a comfortable life anymore. You can't be a billionaire without oppressing a lot of people, up to and including the motherfuckers that work for you. Yeah, not facts. So those are my fuck you. All right, shout outs. You ready to do some shout outs? Let's do it. Okay, my sh- I got two shout outs. Um, the first one is I want to big give a big shout out to J. Cole, and I'm going to tell you why. J. Cole, I know, you, you. everyone heard the sigh, right? You heard this dude sighing so loud. I'm telling you, I, I can't, I got to take the headphones off. He's sighing so loud. What I want to say is it's the reason why uh, I give, I'm giving a big fuck you to, to Joyner Lucas. It's because J. Cole has been straight up like Hodor. He's been holding back all the bullshit that you motherfuckers think is is gonna come out and be like all this dope shit. He's the he's the real quote unquote real hip hop artist for the mainstream, and he's put out decent. Wait, say to say that again. Say that for the mainstream. For the mainstream. Real hip hop for the mainstream. Look, bro. At the end of the day, if you know about hip hop and you know about what you think is the quote unquote shit that you're talking about, and you're not talking about like I don't know Mick Jenkins, or right. you're not you know what I'm saying, or right. Isaiah Rashad, or any of these right. other artists out here, bro. Those are the ones. Real. But for the schmegular degulars, J Cole is a great option. He puts out good, two very good albums, in my opinion. Yeah. I liked Middle Child. I know you didn't like it. I just felt like I had heard it before. It sounded like he was trying to be my fucking uh, motherfucker that got washed by fucking Drake. Oh, Meek Mill. Yeah, it sounded like very like sounded like a Meek Mill song to me. I don't want to say anything bad about Meek Mill, but he's been being played a lot, and I'm telling you, bro, his bars are getting more and more generic as we look. As I will day, say, bro. J Cole is a better rapper than him, right? And he has been surprising me re- recently on some songs. Like I really, you know, what I'm saying, enjoyed that song with JID. Even though JID watched. Well, JID, that's what I'm saying. JID is the artist that you should be listening to, but <laughs> J Cole, he held his own though. And right. it's probably his best verse that I've heard this year. Okay. So, so yeah. So, I, I'm glad we have a, a little bit of connection on that. Um, And the last shout-out that I wanted to do. I just wanted to dedicate this episode and uh, to uh, a, a, a big homie of, of mine, uh, a homie that we lost last week. A big shout-out to Mary Bowman. She was a, a poet and lyricist and singer and LGBTQ activist. She passed last week. Um, and actually, I was talking to her last week about Game of Thrones. Crazy mm. enough, we were going back and forth. And I woke up the next day and I heard that she had passed. So a huge shout out to her and her family and, uh, you know, everybody who's got a transition, man. Love, love. You know, all, all men must die. See, my my, uh, my shout out is much more generic now. It's all good. Make it big. It's okay. Um, 
my uh, my shout out is to uh, all of the actors and amazing set designers who gave us more than a decade of their lives for Game of Thrones. It's not y'all fault that Dan and David is a bunch of hoe ass niggas and can't fucking write and just can't wait to go and fuck up Star Wars and get their Confederacy shit out there. But like you know, I was talking to my homie uh, Tom and, and Callie, and uh, you know I was joking about you know I, you know you said all men must die, right? Everybody gets that Vala Magulis shit, but nobody gets that Vala Dahari shit. Yeah, facts. We all must die, but also before that, we serve. Facts. And we just wanted to be servants. We're servants of the people. We're servants Sir. to y'all. And, we, and we're glad that you tune in every week. And uh, we see y'all. I see y'all out in Brazil. I see y'all out in Australia. Poland. Bruh, Belarus. Man, what you talking about, bro? We out here. We in the space. Good. UK, Ireland. You France. know what I'm saying? Peru. We love y'all, man. We love, we love y'all, y'all, man. Thank y'all for listening to us fucking rant about Game of Thrones. We had to get it out we of our system. We had to get it out of our system, man. It's a fucking decade of our lives. And it's, I mean, look, and if you was a motherfucker that don't fuck with Game of Thrones, hey, kudos to you, man. More shout out to you, man. More love shout to out you. to you if you was a motherfucker that didn't watch Game of Thrones and didn't tell nobody about it. Because motherfuckers was like definitely virtue signaling on that bullshit. I don't watch Game of Yeah, well, what the fuck you want? A cookie, nigga? The fuck you want? <laughs> I ain't watching hey. Sopranos. I ain't fucking. Hey, it's all good. They got the last laugh on us, man. No, they definitely. They did. got they the last laugh. So you got to. We got to take our L, nah, man. We got to fall on our sword, man, bro. I feel like we drew a lot of the niggas in, and I do apologize. I apologize to as well. every single because I feel like a lot of niggas held strong for a long time. Like you know, held out five seasons. I ain't gonna watch this shit. And I got them. I got all the motherfuckers. <laughs> I have pages. He said I would never watch Game of Thrones. That's that shit, man. It's, yeah, and I, got, I was like, man, come on, come on. I started getting the big parties together, and everybody started fucking yeah. with it. I bought the banners. Oh, it was such a oh, we had such high hopes. Well, you had high hopes. You had medium hopes. I, I had high hopes. I waited two Bro, I was as excited. Remember, for all of y'all is a true blue with the podcast, y'all know. It was like episode three or four. I was as stoked for Game of Thrones this season as I was for end games. Damn, I'm a sucker. Yeah, and you know what? Usually you're the one who reigns on my uh nah. my uh, uh uh what would you call it? Um optimism. My, yeah, my op- my optimism you're, parade. You're just the best perpetual optimist and I love you for that. And I and I appreciate you for that, man. And sometimes I get to pee on your optimism parade and I was glad to do that. <laughs> That's what we got, man. Anything else you want to say to the people? Yo, follow us on Instagram. Our Instagram is popping like shit, yeah, bro. Yeah, there's a lot of content that uh, you can find only there. Yeah. It's a lot of cats uh, that's following us on Facebook. You know, we got a lot of great shit. Again, at Matrix Podcast on everything. Yeah, and, and, and review us where you find podcasts, too. We need that. Please do. We need that. Gang shit, we out of here. Gang, gang.